you probably think of your snow and landscape equipment and vehicles as assets. But what about your people? If you want to increase your employee retention and recruiting results, check out today's conversation with Nick Klotz on how to solve your labor shortage by fixing your company culture, where he shares actionable tactics and ideas that he's personally implemented to achieve over 90% employee retention at his snow and landscape company. Nick shares tips on how to create an employee education budget, the value of team building events, and how to promote bad fit employees to join other companies. Hey everyone, Jack Justice here. Welcome to the Landscaper's Guide, where we share sales, marketing, and leadership tips to help you grow your snow and landscape company. And today's topic is all about employees and culture. And part of culture includes eating beef jerky, at least at Ramblin' Jackson. We have a beef jerky club where we promise to be on time and prepared to add value to all of our meetings. So we're a very punctual company and we want to show you how punctual we are and how good the beef jerky is by sending you some in the mail. So claim your Landscapers Marketing Toolbox at landscapersguide.com toolbox. See our show notes to click on a link and I'll send you some beef jerky and a cool marketing field guide that'll help you figure out which marketing you should focus on first. And with that, let's get into today's interview with Nick Klotz. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Landscaper's Guide. Today, I'm excited to interview Nick Klotz, the president of EPM Professional Ground Services, a multi-million dollar snow and landscape company in Michigan. Nick is also a business coach on the topic of employee culture. And in fact, I met Nick at the 2023 Sima Symposium, where he was presenting today's topic, fix your labor shortage by correcting your culture. So Nick, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, pleasure to see you again. We had a, had a great chat at, uh, at Sima back in, was it June or July, um, over a drink. So it's great to connect again. Absolutely. So Nick, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your company, a little bit about your background. So I am, uh, I am bred into small business. Both of my parents have had small businesses as long as I can remember. Um, kind of fell into grounds care. My mom worked for a company, ended up acquiring that company in grounds care, lawn maintenance, normal, um, worked that up through high school, parted ways over a difference of trajectory for the business, uh, got into a different line of work for about three years, hated every minute and dove right back into snow and, and landscape maintenance. So what is it that uh, brought that, you back? What, what do you like about, I, about the work? Being outside, seeing a finished product, um, just the overall challenge of it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I enjoyed being, you know, the leader of a company, um, kind of, kind of jump back into that at a very small scale compared to what it was before, but just miss being outside and, and having some, some freedom in my schedule, which really isn't the case when you start a business from what I thought. Um, but mainly the outdoor portion of it. You know, so I'm curious, so you're, how, how long have you had this company? So EPM was founded in November of 2010. Um, so we're on 12, 13 years, something like that now. And and when we talked, you told me that you're only working like 20 to 25 hours a week. 
Is that true? It it fluctuates on average. I probably I'm probably in office two to three days a week. Um, I I have my phone on me. I stay. I work twenty to twenty five hours a week. As a small business owner, I am always available to my team, and they know that. And I think that's why I'm afforded mm-hmm. the the ability to be out of the office as much as I am because they know I've got their back when needed. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm curious. So if you've reached this level of your of running your company where you're you're only able to work 20 25 hours a week and you have a team are you still doing things that you enjoy in the business like being outside and the things that you're kind of telling me that brought you back to it like what's so, what's that like at this phase of business that's the that's the comical portion is i i guess i missed saying this uh prior I, I got back into this line of work because I hated staring at a computer screen and doing numbers. And now my main focus in the business is staring at a computer screen and doing numbers. Um, I have like two of our clients are still hands-on clients for me. Um, the bulk of my time is, you know, supporting our team, helping our team grow, culture events, drive our car- culture forward. But then, you know, looking at the financial aspect of the business is probably my primary focus at this point. Well, so what do you what do you enjoy about that? now now that you're kind of in that seat so if if you would have asked my my high school math teacher if i was a numbers guy he probably would have laughed and fell out of his chair crying um turns out i'm a numbers guy when it comes to p l's and um, you know any report that has to do with financials of a business absolutely love that portion of it now you know trigonometry and algebra in high school hated every second of it so uh, just the challenge is seeing the the working pieces and and how things fit and where they go in in a PNL and you know how to make uh, improvements in months to come. I think that the difference is when you're working with your own numbers and there's like an actual reward at the end of doing it, right? Like a yes. financial reward, like it it become <laughs> it it suddenly makes more sense. Yes. Um, and yes. if you've screwed it up and had you know, net loss or realize like, wow, I wasted thousands of dollars or, or worse on something, you you kind of figure it out. So that's at least been my experience with math. Uh, I now know all my numbers really well and I can access them pretty quickly. But when I started my company, I didn't. And I, I used to think I'm not a math guy. I'm not good at this. But then I learned it and now I, I enjoy it too. So many of the people listening are having some sort of challenge with either employee recruiting or employee retention, or maybe both, you know, in, in, in the snow and landscape industry in particular. So tell us like at a high level, what is your, your talk, fix your labor shortage by correcting your culture? What does that mean? And what are, what are some tangible, like real life business results of this idea? So, I mean, the real life result of it, um, we average probably about a 95% retention rate right now. Um, we don't mm-hmm. have the industry turnover that most do. And, you know, I, I attribute that to our culture um, because we've done such hard work and had such dedication to making this such a positive and, and helpful mm-hmm. and great place to work. Um, and it, it's by by no doubt, not all me. I mean, it is, I can put the bulk of that on the shoulders of my team and my managers and the rest of the team that that makes us make leaps and bounds forwards every mm-hmm. year. The largest thing I guess I would attribute to a, a positive culture, at least for a business owner or manager, is that... You know, we we have line items in, we just referenced P&Ls. We have line items in our P&Ls and our budget for, you know, say a, a three-quarter ton Chevy pickup. You have a budget for maintenance on that on that piece of equipment every year, your asset. What are you doing to maintain your greatest asset, which would be your team members? 
you know, is there a budgeted line item to, to move them forward every year? Um, we, we do, um, we have that, a figure in our head that, that what we plan to spend per head per team member. But when you look at most, you know, most businesses in many, many different industries, they view their assets as the piece of equipment, the, the tax write off at the end of the year. Well, without your greatest asset, which is your team, all of that equipment doesn't move. And if you don't treat them and, and build them as your greatest asset, it's not going to move efficiently or move well. I agree. And I, I love hearing you say that. And I also think you're the, one of the first people that I've heard assign a, a specific budget to it. Have you ever thought about you know, looking at your people as an asset and assigning a financial value to it like you would your fleet of vehicles? Oh, we do. We do. So actually, and I, I'd never heard anyone else that had did this before um, my talk at SIMA. And I actually asked that question and I had a guy raise his hand and I looked at him and I said, we need to be friends. Um, so our dollar value that we have per head is it, it fluctuates a little. We have a little bit of gray area in it, but it's like 800 to $1,200 per head per team member that we budget, not just for growth, for education, education, we look at as a whole different avenue, but this is just for fun events to build the team. Um, you know, for instance, we've done bowling's an easy one. I mean, everybody can go bowling, but we've done, uh, Detroit Tigers games. We have done, uh, scavenger hunts, uh, just something outside the box. So I recently had a retreat where my, so my company, we're I all saw remote. That, that looked great. Thank you. It was great. It was awesome because we all work remotely. And just like you and I are having this great conversation mm -hmm. over Zoom right now, we have great, we, we're getting really good work done mm -hmm. and our retention rate is very strong and our client retention, all the numbers are good. And there's something about being in person yes. that is, it was just great to, to do that. I don't know that I could assign a dollar value to it. I've thought about it. Um, I got texts though from people that, that they were really excited to be back to work and they've never been excited to do that. I also will tell you, and I'm, you know, there are people who maybe are listening, but I have some content on my social media about recruiting and hosting these events like pig roasts or we play the stump game. And I get so much trash talk from people like, oh, this is <laughs> BS. You know, you just need to pay people more and nobody cares about um, bowling or barbecues and why don't you just pay people well? And I'm always like, look, yeah, obviously you gotta pay people really well. Like it doesn't, I think sometimes people think that like, I don't know, bowling isn't that expensive, right? That's our chip shot event that we do every year. I mean, it is it is the cheapest event we do. We, we actually use bowling annually. And the way we do our events is we usually try to have three to four per year minimum one to two with the entire family invited one to two with just the team member and their significant other spouse. So, um, so is it, is it worth it? I mean, is it like, Oh yes. Oh yes. Hands down. Everybody's always smiling. Everybody's always laughing. We have a very, very small percentage that don't attend because they either are unable um, out of town. Uh, we have a couple guys that live a ways out of town because we do some do some uh -huh. remote work for a utility contractor. So we hire some some out of town guys so they aren't able to make it down. But I mean, just just what it pays back in in smiles and fun. Um, yeah, I, I attribute a lot to the the positive attitude we have around here. Tell me about the education part. So you mentioned that there's a budget in there for education. And before we pressed record, you were telling me that, you know, teaching your people 
investing in in their knowledge is important to you. So how are some of the yes. ways you're doing that? Yes. So, I mean, you're, you're basically, you're either growing or dying. Um, you have to, you know, continue mm -hmm. to level up your, your intellect, your knowledge. Otherwise you're just, just going to be stagnant. There's no zero sum days. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. Um, so our leadership team all has, I would have to pull up one of their contracts to see, but it's either 1500 or 2000. Um, that is a, that is your guaranteed training credit per year. You come to me with a class you want to take an education tidbit you want to do need my sign off. Cause I don't need you going and learning about something that has nothing to do with us. But 99.9% um, .9 of the time it's a, yep, go learn, go and come back and teach us. Um, so a lot of them use that for like uh, the SIMA ASM course. Um, pretty much my entire leadership team has done the ASM course. A couple have started to look into the CSP. Uh, one of my department managers is looking into like World of Concrete and some classes at World of Concrete because of that education credit. I, I really like that. And, you know, grow or die is actually one of our core values at Ramblin' Jackson. Oh, nice. So it's branded, nice. it's part of what we do, and it's something I'm very passionate about is learning. And it's one of my reasons for hosting this podcast is I, I get I kind of get to talk to really smart people all the time, right? It's it's like an excuse yep. to like have a conversation with people that I end I end up learning a lot from running this show. Um, one of the things I like doing is is reading books with people or listening to audiobooks. Mm -hmm. yep. So like we have somebody who's in in a new position and we're listening to the one minute manager. I don't know if you've ever read that okay. book. I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. It's really short. It's really good. It's kind of the framework for our management style. And I love reading books with people and then having a conversation. I think the bringing yep. it back to the team and talking about it is a key part. Yes. And that when, when people know that they need to do that, then they, they take it even more seriously and get more value. And I know as a public speaker, I learn a lot just by preparing to speak. Like when I'm like, oh, yes. I need to, I need to present <laughs> this idea to people. Like it, it helps me really own it and learn it. So, so this has all been really positive stuff. And there is part of business ownership and management and having a culture, which is helping people leave the team when they're not the right fit. And this is something that I've developed as a it's like a thick skin that you have to develop. It still feels awful when you have to ask people to leave your team. It's always my least favorite thing to do. Um, and I think if you don't do it, if you have people who are on the team that aren't pulling their weight or they're not the right fit, what I've seen is the risk, you risk losing other people. Like one time I had somebody and I kept them on too long. And when I let them go, somebody else on the team came and said, I was about ready to quit. And then I would have yeah. lost two people, a great person and somebody that I needed to ask to leave. So tell me a little bit just about like that. Hang around. You know, so you said that you have a zero tolerance for cancer employees. Talk to me yes. about that. How do you have a, a positive culture, right? Where you're coaching people up um, because some people just need some coaching and training. And then some people also at a certain point are not a fit and you need to get rid yes. of them. And tell me, yes. tell me about this. You know, I would say, and it's a, it's a process that's been kind of growing over time and continues to grow, but the point we're at now, really the attrition that we have are people, the cancers that needed to go. And most of them leave on their own. Once you've built the, the positive company culture, um, occasionally they have to be promoted to other companies. Um, 
it does not happen often for us because we figured out, you know, how to hire right and hire right the first time. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely have a zero tolerance for cancers that started probably about four years ago. Um, and when you get rid of some pretty key components that are, you don't realize it looking at it at ground level, but when you get to take a bird's eye view a year later and look back and realize that, you know, one to two people can really just make a 30 person team extremely toxic. You know, what are some of the ways that you're growing EPM and, um, you had some questions for me about, about growth that I wanted to just kind of talk through. Yes. So, I mean, some of the ways we're growing, so we're not only in landscape and snow, um, a fair portion of our annual revenue comes from utility restoration, which is we basically chase a local power company, putting pieces back together that they mess up. Um, but you know, one of the, in our, in our maintenance department, one of the, the main things that we've looked at, cause we've, we've tapped our market pretty good for the market share that we want locally here for our ideal clients. We're looking to move into another market, another town within a, you know, a short drive from us. So I guess one of my questions to you was, I know you guys push marketing from, you know, the business to the end user customer quite a bit and have figured out a great way to do that. Have you worked with anyone or have any recommendations for um, marketing business to business for growth through acquisition? Yeah. So, so you're right that a lot of our clients are, they have residential customers. So they're homeowners, people like that. A fair amount of our business are, you know, multi-million dollar snow and landscape companies that typically have a residential division and a commercial yeah. division. So we do quite a bit of commercial marketing. One of the things that we are seeing that works is building out what we call specialty pages. So as an example, if you worked with industrial complexes, building out a page that's all about your portfolio of ind other industrial clients and tapping into the challenges that those clients have and how you solve them. And then if possible, having photos and videos and testimonials from other industrial complexes that then um, one, people do Google that stuff. They Google, you know, commercial snow removal, commercial landscaping, um, industrial snow removal and so on. So you can get found from that. But then what it also does is from an outbound marketing standpoint is it gives you a tool. Let's pretend that I was doing sales for you. I would want to come up with a list, Nick, of the top 100 companies in that other city that you want to target. And yep. I would I would create a multimedia, multi-marketing campaign, meaning multimedia, I do a lot with print. I do print, I do toolboxes, I send out beef jerky. If you're listening and you yes, want some you jerky, <laughs> you're, you, you had some, how was it? It's great, it yeah. is great. So it's it's good stuff and it's a fun experience. And then when I talk yep. to people, they're, they're, they have that reaction. If you want jerky, by the way, see our show notes, go to landscapersguide.com slash toolbox. And we'll ship you some jerky and a cool marketing guide to help you figure this stuff out. You're so I'm really going to want to do that. It's good. Thank you. It it is good. But now 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 if I if I have a, a list of the Dream One Hundred, right? We can send them. I don't know if beef jerky fits with your brand, but you can find those people. You can connect with them on LinkedIn. You can cold call them. It's going to be multiple touches to get to the point of likely having them have a real conversation with you. 
and and before that conversation and also after you could send them that page so hey carl before we meet check out our portfolio of industrial clients and you send that ahead of the meeting and they're like wow they've worked with amazon fulfillment center and blah 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 so that's one way I would do it, and I would expand that. So if you had, I don't know, HOAs, and I don't, you don't work with HOAs, do you? Not much, no. Well, no, so we've if identified it's not a yeah, good fit for us. What about hospitals? Uh, hospitals, there's actually only one locally to us right now, and they do their work uh, in house. So not currently. We would love to take one on though. Okay, so so we would. This is how I would approach marketing in an outbound commercial environment is a combination of digital marketing, having the social proof on the website, video interviews with people, um, testimonials, photos, and, and then also like outbound marketing, LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn would be really good, you know, because you can find, and you probably already know which properties you wanna go and maintain. You know, there's no one magic bullet in marketing, in my no. opinion, that's why I said multimedia, yep. multi-marketing, right? So multi-step, multimedia marketing, where there's multiple steps of acquiring a customer. One of my tips for my staff is to be a good networker, meaning like when I'm at a trade show, I'm, I'm not just looking for me. I'm looking like, cool, I met Nick, and who is Nick looking to meet? And then I might go and introduce you to someone. And trying to be a helpful networker often then comes back to you. We've had people um, graduate from Ramblin' Jackson. Like, so people, I had one person actually worked with me for seven years. And at the end of that, it was just time. Like we had both yeah. kind of just, it, it wasn't bad. It was actually good. It was like complete. And um, that person went and started their own company and recently referred a vendor to me that has been a major <laughs> asset. And so it's not like we burned the bridge or anything. If anything, yeah. we actually had a, like a celebration of like, hey, this person's going on to do yeah. this. Um, so what what's maybe one more nugget in the in the either re recruiting or retention bucket? What's maybe one final thing that if you could get everyone to do one thing, what would it be? Um, I'm I'm gonna have to go with. When, when you are recruiting, start with your existing team. Should you have a solid team? Don't if, if you have a sketchy team that you need to promote some to another company, start with the key members of that team that, that you trust. Um, but start your recruitment internally. Um, we really don't have to hire much from, you know, Facebook ads, Indeed, any of that. I, we haven't hired anyone in, from Indeed in four years. Um, all of our, all of our key members and, and, great, great team members now have come from referrals from within. Uh, so start with what you have and, and leverage those contacts because it's easy to interview somebody off the street and have them look great in an interview and they show up for their first day and they're great. And the first month they're all right. Month two, it starts to go downhill. They put on a good show. Now, when you have a say mowing foreman that's had a best friend for many years that, you know, the best friend just, all of a sudden needs a job and you have to be looking for someone for a mo crew, for instance, when he refers his best friend, you know that you have a solid worker. He's not bringing them in for no reason. He trusts that person and trusts that person's integrity enough to bring them to his place of work and say, Hey, this is a great guy. I vouch for him. He's going to treat us well. Have you ever seen that work in the other way though, where you've, you've had an employee referral who then doesn't work out and then it kind of, 
maybe maybe that you need to get them off the boat and so, then it impacts the current employee. Has that ever happened? We have had a couple instances where uh-huh. we have hired team members that have been referred to us by team members. I think it's happened twice that it was a, this is not a good fit. They need to go. But before myself or anybody on our leadership team was even able to identify and say something, the team member that brought that person in is coming to us and saying, look, I'm sorry, this isn't, this isn't what I know of them. And I, again, I think it's only two instances. And I think in both instances, something was said to us before we even had to say anything. Lots of great tips. Um, tell us a little bit about your coaching program and also how we can connect with you if we enjoyed today's conversation. So the coaching program is pretty open-ended. I mean, it could be, uh, you know, a one, two-time phone call just for some tidbits. I mean, I I wouldn't lock anyone into coaching that just wants to ask questions and have a phone chat here and there. Now, if someone wanted some ongoing, you know, one-year, six-month uh, accountability into some processes, then, then I'd be happy to help. Um, you know, give me a ring. My, my website for that is, uh, Um, you can reach me through there pretty easily. Um, but it, it's very open-ended, no, no contract, no, no definite structure. You have to do this. You have to do that. It's more, what are your needs? How can I help you grow and what can we learn together? Well, very good. Well, we can, we can keep going, but we've got to wrap up Nick, uh, Nick Klotz, um, from EPM of Michigan. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And, um, we look forward to connecting you in the show notes and seeing you at other shows. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for checking out today's podcast. Hopefully you got some ideas. I certainly did made me think, how can I take grow or die a step further at my company? It's already a core value. We're already living it. And so much is changing so fast in my industry and yours. And I totally agree with Nick that investing in your people, whatever way that they're going to learn, will we'll really build a strong company. So uh, thanks so much for checking this out. Again, if you haven't gotten a marketing toolbox, I'd love to send you one with some beef jerky. So claim yours at landscapersguide.com slash toolbox. See our show notes for a link. My name's Jack Jostis, and I look forward to talking with you next week on The Landscaper's Guide. I like that. I'll take it. That's a wrap, Brendan.